For our scripture text, let's turn to Matthew 2. Matthew chapter 2. And to give honor to the word of the Lord and to give honor to our Lord who's given us his word, let's stand if you're able as we read together Matthew chapter 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Now when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and under, according to the time which had been determined from the Magi. Then what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. Thus ends the reading of God's word. Let's, let's pray together. Thank you, O Father, for this, your holy word, that you have told us of the coming of your Son, the birth of your Son, even Jesus our Lord. Help us to be like those magi of old, giving praise and worship and gifts to your blessed Son, Help us to worship you, O Father, and to worship our blessed Lord Jesus in spirit and in truth.
For we ask these things in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Now, when you meet someone and you might challenge them and say, Jesus is Lord, Master. Or I, I saw a guy at a, it was the grocery store it was, at Kroger. And he had a shirt and he says, Jesus is King. You know, I, I like that shirt. Jesus is King. Jesus is Lord. And uh, if you tell someone Jesus is Lord and Savior, they might look at you and they might say, well, either they will, we will rejoice with you. Or they might oppose and say, well, no, he's not. I don't even believe in the Bible. Or they, so there's either two main reactions. You worship God and agree that Jesus is Lord and King and Savior. Or you refuse him. Now, some people refuse him in just not going to church and worshiping him. And that is a breaking of God's uh, first and second commandments as well. But you ever wonder why people react so differently to the gospel? Today's text is a classic example of two very opposite reactions to the gospel of Christ, to the coming of the Son of God into the world. A group of magi falling down before him, worshiping him, giving gifts to him, and another wanting to take his life. Big major difference. Before we look at this text in closer fashion, I want to mention that uh, this gospel of Matthew is a little bit different than the morning series that we've been studying in Luke. Luke was written for the purpose of witnessing to a Gentile, namely Theophilus. But here, Matthew is more geared toward the Jews who study the Old Testament, who are looking for the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy that this one, this Jesus, is the long-awaited promised Messiah, that he fulfills the messianic prophecies given. And I I would say that Matthew's gospel does that in in, an exceptional fashion. Uh, Matthew 1, 21, the angel appeared to Joseph and told him that this son born through the Holy Spirit would save his people from their sins. In verse 22 of chapter 1, he said this is in fulfillment of the prophet Isaiah, that he, um, behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. So this, these first two chapters is talking about the fulfillment of Scripture, not only of Isaiah 7, but we'll look later, Micah 5, which we looked at this morning, is fulfilled in today's passage as well. But again, uh, unlike Luke, Luke's gospel gives a little bit more detail, the birth of Christ. Here, at the end of chapter 1, there's really only two small verses that tell the detail of the birth of Jesus. Verses 24, 25... Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So the account of the shepherds is not given here. Uh, 
the being worshipped by shepherds, by the angels appearing to the shepherds, and then the, the shepherds going out and telling others of the wonderful news of the birth of this child. But then in today's text, what we'll look at is a focus on Jesus Christ as the divine promised Messiah. I want us to look at this in three main points. The worshiping magi, the worshiping magi, two, the usurping Herod, to usurp is to take another one's rightful place, and three, the fulfilling Messiah, or the fulfilling Jesus. Let's look at this first main point, uh, the worshiping magi. These magi, also known as wise men, worshiped Christ. Verses 1 through 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, the magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, these magi were men of exceptional learning. Um, some scholars would say that these magi came from Persia. Um, now, these the magi studied natural history. They studied astrology, especially these men were those who studied the stars. Uh, it's told that these Persian wise men were actually counselors to kings and rulers. They looked at these matters of the stars and they gave counsel to those who ruled. Um, you could say that they were royal dignitaries of sorts. Now, some of us with our experience of modern culture and especially in what goes on in the Middle East, we look at the Taliban and those in the Middle East and we say that they're anti-intellectual. Now, why do I say that? Well, the Taliban make it unlawful for, say, for instance, girls to have any education beyond the sixth grade. They, they give them religious education, but they said they don't want them having any higher education at all. And some people have to try to get an education under undercover, otherwise they'll suffer penalty. So we might say that these people in the Middle East are anti-intellectual, but not the case with the Persian wise men, or even years and years after them. Uh, in the year 973 was born a man known as Al-Biruni. Al-Biruni. He was a genius and a scholar of natural history. He was a, a genius of science, reason, astrology. And this man, at a very young age, discovered the accurate measurement of the circumference and radius of the earth, which wasn't understood by the West until hundreds of years later. So this, this sort of person was the kind of wise man that was from the heritage of these Persian wise men here, uh, great men of learning. And notice here in the, in the text, they weren't just coming to pay homage of some sort or to bow the knee to a king. They were coming to worship this newborn king. Worship indicates that they saw this one as being God. Worshiping him as the God child, this newborn king. 
and they were going to worship him according to verse 2. Now, Herod rightly was a little suspicious of this. And notice what Herod does. He, he then calls and gathers together the chief priests and scribes. Look at verses 4 and following. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet, that's the prophet Micah in chapter 5, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judea, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. That's a bold-faced lie. Verse 9. After hearing the king, when they went their way they, and, and saw the star which had been seen in the east, they went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. These men had exceedingly great joy when they worshipped this beloved child. Notice they brought gifts. Um, some people might wonder, how many magi were there? Every, you always see in, in Christmas cards a couple of things that are incorrect. One, sometimes you see a stable, and in the stable you have the magi, you have the shepherds, and everybody's all gathered together. But notice in this particular text, he's not in a stable. It says they arrive and they, they approach the Lord Jesus and the family of Christ in a house. So this is this is some time after Jesus is born in the stable. The other thing is that we don't know for sure if there were three magi or more. We know that there were three gifts, but just because there are three gifts, we don't know for sure if there were three magi. There could have been a lot more. There could have been a whole entourage. And if you were a royal dignitary, I don't think it was just three men traveling alone. I believe they had uh, those supporting them on a, maybe a caravan of some sort. But they brought these gifts fit for a king, namely gold. Gold is what you would give a person of royalty. But frankincense, which came from a, a tree, uh, resin, uh, was a fragrant um, substance used as incense. It was for worship. It was typically used in worship. Frankincense was actually used in the temple worship among the Jewish people. And so we know for sure that their gifts signify him being a, both a king and maybe here it's symbolic of him being a priest. But also they give him myrrh. Myrrh was used for embalming. So these gifts, we don't understand exactly why they were given this understanding of these things, but God has it 
in the scripture that these are significant for a reason. The gold for his royalty, he's a king. The frankincense because he is a priest. The myrrh because he is one who's going to die and suffer for the people. Now, we don't know how much of that they know, but we understand that on this side of the cross. Their bearing uh, such gifts means that such men were of nobility. They had resources to bring such worthy gifts. And again, verse 11, they fell down and worshipped him. You know, in the New Testament, time and time again, Jesus fall. Jesus has people that fall down before him and worship him. At the beginning of his life, as a newborn baby, they have men that fall down and worship him. At, just before he ascends into heaven, he is worshipped as he is on the mount, and he gives the Great Commission, and he, as he ascends into heaven, some worshipped him. Many times in the New Testament, Jesus is worshipped, and he always accepts that worship. This is a proof that Jesus is God. Now, in contrast to these magi of old who worshipped the Lord, look at this usurping Herod. When Herod, the king, heard this, verse 3, you could say that his intentions were not good. It says that he was troubled and all Israel with him. According to the scriptures, Micah 5, they're told that this child would be born in Bethlehem and that he would be the shepherd of Israel. You ask this question, if you were a devout Jew, wouldn't you accept the coming of your Messiah? Why would you want to kill the coming Messiah? The shepherd, the long-awaited, promised Shepherd, the Messiah of the people of Israel. Part of the problem was that Herod was not really a, a you could say, a faithful Jew. Um, some say that he was born in Idumea, which was the formerly Edom. Um, between the end of Malachi and the opening of Matthew, uh, history tells us that uh, this land of Idumea was conquered by the Jews. Those who were conquered by the Jews in Idumea were either asked to hold to the Jewish religion or be exiled. So you could say maybe Herod and his ancestors may have become Jews by compulsion uh, rather than by having a truly Jewish heritage. And if you ask this question, why did Herod want to destroy the king of the Jews? It was because he didn't want to worship the God of Israel. He worshipped himself. What Herod cared about was that he wanted to be in power. He wanted to rule. He had achieved one of the greatest building programs in the history of the Jewish people, um, he even expanded upon Solomon's temple and made it even greater in many respects than the temple that Solomon had built. And he didn't want 
someone else, even the promised holy Messiah, to come in and take his place. Therefore, he sought to kill him. Now, it's not just Herod here. It's not just Herod that's the problem. Look at the rest of the Jews. It says that not only Herod, but the rest of the, the leadership in Jerusalem were troubled along with him. Why? Well, maybe they didn't want anybody to rock the boat. They liked, the, they liked things the way that they were. Um, an example of that is in John 19. When Jesus is going before uh, Pilate to be tried, Pilate asked the question, do you want me to crucify your king? They answered, we have no king but Caesar. We have no king but Caesar. And rather than releasing Jesus, they chose Barabbas, and they said these terrible terrible words in Matthew 27 let his blood be upon us and upon our children let the blood of this innocent person they didn't in their mind they thought he was guilty of blasphemy but let his blood be upon us and upon our children is what they said rather than receiving him as their Lord and Messiah So we have one group that receives Jesus, the Magi from the East, who are not even Israelites, but they came and they worshiped the Messiah. And then we have the Hebrew king, the usurper king, who wants to kill him. Um, you know, you think about God's providence in this. Herod could have easily succeeded. But God didn't allow him to do so. What if Herod would have said, follow the Magi, and when the Magi find the child, slay them all, slay, or slay the child. But instead, God thwarted the plan of evil Herod. Let's look next at the fulfilling Messiah, the fulfilling Jesus Christ. Here in the text, Jesus Christ fulfilled Scripture in a way that it's magnificent. Verse 12 says, Having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. They listened to the voice of God rather than this king. But also an angel appears to Joseph. And they are warned, verse 13 says, now when they had gone, behold, an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt. And so remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet out of Egypt. I called my son. If you ever have a struggle in believing this to be God's word, I want you to look for a moment at the magnificent, manifold way that Jesus 
Christ fulfills Holy Scripture. Now, this is just one occasion here. Well, let's review a little bit earlier. Born of a virgin, Isaiah 7. He was born of the seed of Abraham and a descendant of David of the root of Jesse, Isaiah 11. He was born in Bethlehem of Judea, Micah 5. If not for Herod seeking the life of the child and him having to go into Egypt, Hosea 11 verse 1 would have not been fulfilled, which says, out of Egypt I have called my son. So even this use of Herod seeking the life of the child caused Scripture to be fulfilled. Hosea 11 verse 1, out of Egypt I called my son. Now, most of the prophecies concerning Jesus are not fulfilled here at his birth, but it's through the rest of his life, especially concerning his suffering death. He would be betrayed by a familiar friend. Psalm 41. Not just by a friend, but for 30 pieces of silver to fulfill Zechariah 11. He would not open his mouth nor retaliate when he's being sent to the slaughter. Isaiah 53. Psalm 22 tells us that lots were cast for his clothing. And he was spat upon and mocked, Isaiah 50. Um, even going back a little bit to Psalm 22, they even, it, the prophet who gave the psalm even foretold that the very words in which Christ would be ridiculed by the unbelieving Jews who mocked him. The Lord of hosts himself would strike him with his sword, thus scattering the sheep, Zechariah 13. And the blessed Lord Jesus would have his grave assigned with the wicked, yet with the rich at his death, Isaiah 53. I, I'm, I'm just giving you a little glimpse here. But there is a magnificent way in which Christ fulfills a tremendous number of prophecies in his life and his death, in his resurrection. When you look at other books that claim to be inspired holy books of other religions, they have nothing, nothing of this sort, of the fulfillment of Holy Scripture. These words are not the words of men. These are the words given by God, by the Holy Spirit, by, to prophets and apostles with Jesus Christ being the very cornerstone of the church. This is something that we can trust in. This is something that we can believe in. It's a divine, supernatural revelation. I hope this message gives you encouragement to trust in God's word with a greater assurance that this is truly the very word of God. Uh, we should remember the worshiping magi. They came from afar, they gave gifts to Jesus, they bowed down and fell to the ground and worshiped Christ as God. We should give him our gifts 
and bow down and worship Christ as God. Remember Herod, who sought to usurp the kingdom and refused to worship the Christ, but sought yet to kill him. May we be not like him. May we bow the knee to the Lord Jesus. May we worship him and seek to love him and pray for those who you know who are in opposition to the Lord Jesus. Jesus came into the world as the fulfilling Messiah. He fulfilled a tremendous number of scriptures that were foretold some hundreds, some even thousands of years prior. As Peter put it, we have a prophetic word made more sure, and beautiful and magnificent word given to us by God that we can trust. And we have a Savior who has suffered and died for sinners such as us. Put your faith in Him. Trust in Him that He has died for you, and you will have eternal life through Jesus our Lord. Let's pray together. We thank you, our glorious Lord, for this prophetic word that you have given.